But thank you all for being here today. Enough messing around. We got some serious stuff to take care of. Today is a baptism Sunday. So excited for that. One person's clapping. Yeah, baptism Sunday. It's a very exciting thing. And so last week we spent some time talking about what baptism is and what baptism isn't. And essentially baptism is a washing ceremony. It is a water ritual. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. And when a person arrives at that place in their life where they believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, and they believe that Jesus is the son of the living God, and they believe that he died on the cross for their sins, and they believe that he rose on the third day, and they've put their trust in Jesus for their salvation. Instead of trusting in themselves and their own righteousness and their own capacity for goodness, instead they put their trust in Jesus for their salvation. Once someone has made that very big decision, that very big heart change, once someone has accepted Jesus as their Savior, then they go forth in front of a group of people before a church, and they are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so it's, that's, that's really what baptism is. It's not about having all your questions about Jesus answered. It's about trusting in the core, core principle, the core thing that we believe in as Christians, that Jesus is the Son of God, died on the cross for our sins, rose on the third day, and we can trust in him for our salvation. We call that message the gospel, which means good news. We believe the gospel, we receive salvation, and then we go public with our decision. We show people that we have believed that. We show people that we've put our trust in Jesus and we are baptized. We do this quite simply because Jesus commanded us to. We do this quite simply because Jesus told us to do that. And I've combed through the Bible, both Old Testament and New. And I've gone to Bible college and seminary and all that. And I'm not claiming to be a Bible expert, but I've looked into this book. I've poured through this book. And I don't see Jesus commanding us to do stuff that doesn't make sense. I don't see him commanding us to do stuff that's just kind of empty and pointless. No, Jesus tells us to do things that are, worth, that are worth doing. And so we come up and we stand before a group of people and we let that group of people know that we have accepted Jesus as our Savior. In the weeks leading up to today, some of you have, have reached out and have spoken to me about, about baptism and had some questions about baptism and some concerns about baptism and the one concern that keeps coming up time and time again is that little bit of awkwardness that people feel about being baptized. Ooh, I got to stand up and make a commitment in front of all these people, and that feels so vulnerable. But really, that's, friends, that's part of it. That's part of it. Because what you're going through, it is so personal. It is so, it's such an intimate thing. And you're going to come forth and you're going to share what's going on in your heart with other people. It is, it is a vulnerable thing to go forward and make that kind of a commitment. Just yesterday in this very space, uh, my wife and I, we had a renewal of our vows. We've been married for 15 years, as of Wednesday. Thank you very much. So we had a small little thing, about 20 of our family members, just family, and we stood up here before that group of 20 people, and I got to tell you, I felt a little bit awkward doing it, <laughs> making that commitment in front of all those people, Right? Even though I knew she was going to say yes, and we're technically already married, right? But that's part of it, to stand up in front of people and say, yes, I've made this commitment. I'm making this commitment to 
follow Jesus. A few weeks ago, we took a look at how this thing called church, how it began. We took a look at the formation of the very first church in Jerusalem and how that all started. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, one of the followers of Jesus, Peter, stands up and he gives a sermon. The very first pastor of the very first church gives his very first sermon. And he stands up and he explains this thing we call the gospel, explains who Jesus was and is. And he's talking to a group of thousands of people. Talk about an uncomfortable experience, right? This fisherman is now addressing thousands of people. And the message that he had was good, but was also tough. He was speaking to some of the very same people who had put Jesus on the cross to die. He was speaking to people who knew the Bible, at least they thought they did. They knew their Old Testament, at least they thought they did. And they believed that Jesus was a fraud. And they put him on the cross to die. And then Peter stands up and says, guess what, guys? You made a mistake. (laughs) A big one. That man, Jesus, was the Messiah. And he is the Son of God. And he died on that cross and he rose from the dead. And 500 of us saw him raised from the dead. And when the people in that crowd, when they heard this message, not just from Peter, but from the Holy Spirit, they were pierced to their hearts. They said, Peter, what should we do? His first word to them was, you need to repent. You need to change. You need to change. And on that day, thousands, on that very same day, thousands of people were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Before they had all their questions answered, before they heard the teachings of Jesus, before they learned about the boundaries of Jesus and how we should live and what we should do and what we should not do, before they had it all figured out, they latched on to the one core truth, that one essential truth that Jesus is the Son of God, died on the cross for our sins, rose again, and in Him we have salvation. They clung to that one core truth, and then they were baptized. And from that point forward, they had the rest of of their lives to learn the teachings of Jesus, to learn about his boundaries, to learn about his commandments. And so later on in the book of Acts, we're going to take a look at the book of Acts chapter 8. So we're moving forward in the timeline. All that with Peter and that that first big sermon, that first big baptism, that's in Acts chapter 2. As we make our way through Acts, the church has to endure some persecution from the religious establishment. And so when we get to Acts chapter 8, the Christians, the followers of Jesus, they are being persecuted. And so some of them split up and they scatter and they go their separate ways. And we're going to take a look at Acts chapter 8. I'm going to begin actually with verse 26. And here we meet a man named Philip who was a follower of Jesus. Acts 8, verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. And so Philip meets this Gentile man who was an important official for the queen of Ethiopia. He's the treasurer there. So he sees this man, again, a Gentile who did not have, you know, the background of the Israelites, did not know much about the God of Israel. And so this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And so somehow this Gentile man learned something about the God of the Israelites. And whatever he was, it was that he learned was enough to compel him to go to Jerusalem and learn more and worship this God, the God that was unknown to him, this God of the Israelites. On his way home, he was sitting in his chariot and reading the book of Isaiah 
the prophet. And so again, because he was an important man, probably a wealthy man, a wealthy official, he was able to secure a copy of Isaiah. And that was tough to come by. You had to have some money and you had to know how to read and all this. And so he secured a copy of the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah is a, a book filled with prophecy. And so much of what Isaiah wrote about was concerning the Messiah, was concerning Jesus. And so here's this Gentile man who's got a copy of Isaiah, and he's reading it. Verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. Fantastic question. I mean, I see you, you're a Gentile guy, you're reading from you know, our prophet, the prophet Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading? And very matter of fact, verse 31, he answers, how can I? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This, and you know, this is not a coincidence that he just happened to be reading this passage from Isaiah. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before his shearers, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? You know, Philip, you need to explain this to me. You're an Israelite dude. You've got the, you know, that, that background. And I'm reading these words, these words of Isaiah. Is Isaiah writing about himself? Or is he speaking of someone else? Well, as it so happens, Isaiah was writing about Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news, the gospel. Told him the good news about Jesus. And so we started with that passage from Isaiah, and he explained that God had sent his son into this world who once again died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave, offers us salvation in him. He explained this passage to him. So again, let's remember our context. Gentile guy new to this stuff, seeking for answers. God orchestrates this series of events to reveal truth to him, to reveal the gospel to him. And here he is learning that God loves him, that God sent his son to die on the cross for his sins. And as they traveled along the road, verse 36, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way? of my being baptized? That's a good question. And I don't think it was a rhetorical question. He's like, listen, I've heard what you've said, and apparently he believed it. I've heard you talk about Jesus. I've heard you explain the gospel, and you started with this Isaiah passage, and you explained what this is all about. You told me about God's love, Jesus dying on the cross for my sins, the resurrection of Jesus, believing in Jesus for my salvation. I've accepted all that. And if I understand what you're saying, Philip, now I'm supposed to be baptized. So what can prevent me from being baptized? There's some water. Let's do this thing. This guy's new. And he still doesn't know all the teachings of Jesus. Doesn't know. I mean, he hasn't read the Gospels because the Gospels haven't been written yet, right? So there's so many questions he has unanswered, but he holds on to this one core central truth, the truth of the Gospels, and he looks at that water and says, what can prevent me from being baptized? And Philip doesn't say, well, you know, maybe you ought to, you know, think about this some more and write down a list of your questions and then we'll go back and see if we can get your questions answered and then maybe later on we'll do this thing and if you, 
you know, you should probably get dressed up. And let's find some, this is like a little swamp. Let's find some nicer water. No. Philip says, nothing. Nothing can prevent you from being baptized. 30, verse 38. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And simple as that. And that's when this man was baptized, and his life was forever changed. What can prevent you from being baptized? Some of you have accepted Christ as Savior, but you've never gone through that public ceremony. And I ask you the question, what is it that's preventing you from being baptized? What is it that's causing that hesitation? At this time, I'd actually like to invite our friend, Corey Brown, to come up on stage. You guys know Corey? Let's give Corey a round of applause, Director of Missions. Oh, man, Corey, thanks for coming up. Corey is in seminary right now and doing the tough work, writing the papers, pouring through the scriptures. And Corey, if you've you've not heard Corey's story about how he found Jesus, um, ask him during the party. It's a wonderful story, uh, an inspiring story. But I asked Corey to come up here today um, because I've got a specific question for you. I know your story, at least a lot of it. And you had shared that uh, you had reached this point where you had accepted Jesus as Savior, but you were hesitant to be baptized. And so my question is, why? What caused that hesitation? Yeah, yeah. so for me, uh, I really felt it was, it was a long journey, right, for me to, to really find Christianity, which, you know, we've talked about in the past. And, and I'd say uh, by the time that, that I was that, that I became, you know, quote unquote, a, a Christian, right, a follower of, of Jesus. Uh, it was probably maybe like three years or so until I actually uh, was baptized, you know. And I, I felt like uh, I needed to have everything figured out, and right. you know, I need to right. be uh, righteous, right, and really walking in that 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 perfect way with Jesus, right. per- perfect way with Jesus. And, uh, and I had that, honestly, like one nagging sin issue that I really felt that I needed to work out. And, um, yeah, and, and so, so I waited, you know, yeah. like a solid three years. It was kind of, sort of an intellectual thing. And, um, and so yeah, you were that, baptized that eventually, way. right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. What, led, what led to that decision? Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty amazing, right? The circumstances of the day, uh, some things that, that I was going through, just the, the moment, the, really the, the sermon given by the pastor. And uh, the pastor asked a question, which I, is so beautiful and so profound to this day. Um, he asked me, you know, if, if I was to die, and say, say I was to die tomorrow, right, and went up and met Jesus and saw Jesus, and he asked you know, why haven't you been baptized? Hmm. You know, what, what would I say? I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to have that conversation, <laughs> right? Like, I, w- right, I, I right. would like to say, you know, yeah, I mean, you, you said it, right? Uh, you know, and, and it is a, uh, you know, an, an obedience thing and a, and right, a showing of right. our faith. And, uh, and then really, too, um, so, so from there on, when I look back, um, there's different things, you know, uh, God rewards obedience, right? I believe right. that with every fabric I'm being, rewards obedience, rewards yes. obedience. And there are certain things that, that started happening, right, after after that, 
at occurrence. So I think each, you know, each step along the way, or believe with every fabric of my soul, each each step along the way that right. that God rewards obedience. And I think this is this is one of those scenarios. I think that's great. And I'm going to steal that question that that pastor asked you so long ago. And that's the question is, if you're saved in this room, if you accepted Jesus as your Savior, but you've never been baptized, you go face to face with Jesus. And he says, why didn't, why didn't you do that? What would you say? And I don't think that's a conversation you want to have. You want to be able to say, yes, I followed. I did what you commanded. And I was, and I was baptized. So we're going to transition into our baptism time now. Uh, Corey, if you could grab that bowl of water. And just to clarify, we talked about this last week. You're not saved by the water. It's not the water that saves you. It's Jesus. This is the ceremony. This, this is the outward expression of that inward change. And so what will take place is you're going to come up on stage. And if you'd like to bring somebody with you, someone who's been instrumental in helping you understand the gospel you know, if you have like a, a Philip in your life, just like that Ethiopian man did, if you have someone who's helped you understand, you can ask them to come up with you. Once you arrive up here on the stage, if you'd like to, you can head over to this microphone and you can share a few words if you'd like to. It's not necessary. It's not a requirement. Your standing up in front of everybody is your public statement to us. But if you have something to say, you'll have the opportunity to do so. And then the, what we're going to do is we take just a little bit of water, pour it on your head, and you are baptized in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So let's enter into a time of prayer, and then you, as the Spirit leads, you will have the opportunity to come forward and be baptized. One other thing, too, if I, can, if I can interject, just thinking about this in a moment. So one other thing, I, it was really tough for me for a long time to, to uh, tell people I was a Christian, right? That was kind of like an awkward sort of thing. And for me, just looking back on it and thinking really just since your sermon, when I was baptized, I think it, just, it sort of opened up my life. And you talked about it kind of being in, you know, an awkward process for some people. Right. It really, I think, allowed me to open up about Christianity just right. in general and talk about it. Right. You know, right. And I, I think that that's a blessing of it too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's join together in a time of prayer. Father God, we thank you for you. Thank you for your compassion, for your grace, for your understanding, for your eagerness to forgive. We thank you for your sacrificial nature. We thank you for sending your son into this world to die a sinner's death, to die on the cross in my place, to die on a cross for our sins. Jesus, we thank you for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. In your sacrifice, you've paid off the debt that we owe to God. And in your resurrection, you conquered death and you have presented to each one of us, to each one of us, regardless of our past, you have presented us with the option of accepting this gift, the gift of salvation in you, Jesus. Father God, let your Holy Spirit fill this place. For those who are to be baptized today, Father God, clarify that to them. Let them know that today is their day to go public with their decision. To follow you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.